Hello everyone, we are back for another fantastic supersized edition of Off the Post where we answer your questions that you submitted using hashtag bannering points and those who submitted via our Patreon. And if you are not a patron, you know, it's a good good thing to do. You Kick get over a couple of shekels maybe. Yeah, and we'll send you some free stuff. Uh, well, not really free. You paid for it. Uh, and you'll get to answer questions that uh, we'll answer first. Like, Michael, I believe we have a, a Patreon question. Uh, we do. We have a, a couple, technically from patrons who are on Twitter. But we have one in the inbox on Patreon uh, from Sammy Vogel-Seidenberg. Is Mike and Tom, with Ryan Strom being one of the biggest surprises offensively in years, though we all hope he does not get signed long-term, maybe a short-term sweetheart deal, what pass Rangers output was the most surprising to you? I would have to go old school and say Walt Kachuk. Thanks for always putting together an awesome show. I, in the new Nojo era, uh, I'm calling it the post-Joe era, the, the PJE, or the, uh, the Nojo era, the NJE, um, I'm looking up things before the show, so we don't grind the show to a halt with me it's very smart. having mild panic attacks. And uh, I'm going to have to go ahead and say... The one that sticks out to me the most, and I said this before the show to Tom, and then Tom was looking up some of the numbers, and they're unbelievable. It was the first year after the lockout. No one knew who the hell Peter Pruka was, and he scored 30 goals in 68 games. Uh, like, Yager having 123 points that year was, was, of course, a story in and of itself, but Peter Pruka having 30 goals in 68 games, and no one knew who or what he was. And... I don't know. It was just insane. It was insane watching him do what he did that year. I think he had 16 power play goals. I don't know. That's just, it's just bonkers to me, Tom. And, uh, I, I think back, like there are some guys who had these little flashes of offensive production or they looked good, uh, for a minute. Like, you know, I would say, you know, unexpected production I think you can even say like you can make a case Ryan Spooner was not bad uh, after he came over in the trade like in just in terms of a guy who put up way more numbers than we thought he would on a very bad team oh yeah 16 points in 20 games I think it was yeah on a on a team that was just you know absolutely gutted of all of its you know of almost all of its talent and that was like oh all right that's I would definitely qualify that as surprising up there with what you know maybe what Strom's doing now but I think it's tough to be Pruker for me, especially in recent history. What about you, Tom? So I was thinking about this, and um, I kind of overlooked it at first, but it was also the season that you mentioned. You mentioned Peter Pruka, uh, surprising, with 30 goals in the 05-06 season, and this player had two spectacular seasons for the Rangers, and that is... 33-year-old and 34-year-old Michael Nylander. You son of a bitch. You know he's my favorite player. I do. He shares your name. I'm going to push a knife into between your ribs, right into your liver. That doesn't heal, Tom. Oh, ouch. That that, that hurts. I'm going to twist the knife. But the thing surprising about that is not only... Obviously, you can say post-lockout, everything opens up. He's playing with Yager. But this is a guy who prior to these two seasons, his career high in points was 64 
and it came uh, with Chicago in the year 2000, 2001. You used to wear the Yofa helmet back then, I think. Yeah, so this was a guy that, he had some skill, but, like, you kind of didn't expect it. Although, again, I guess you could say playing with Yager certainly, you know, helped. It helps to play with the armor Yager. He was good at the hockey. But the thing with Nylander was he was this... Watching him play, you could tell he was still... Like, he was responsible for a lot of what was happening. And the thing that I think stands out to me the most is that he had 83 points in that second season with the Rangers. And then the next year, unfortunately, he got hurt, um, you know, with Washington, I think. And he had 37 points in 40 games. So, like, he was still being the sort of player he was for the Rangers. That then the following year... 33 points in 72 games uh, for the Caps, and then that was his last year in the league at age 36, so it's very rare uh, for the Rangers to guess right on an old free agent, and they they hit a freaking grand slam with Michael Nylander, um, which has made him something of a, you know, a cult icon on the show, just because of my never-ending love for him. Uh, you know, he's one of my favorite Rangers of all time, and it's Every time I think about the fact that he was only around for twenty, you know, for two seasons, it just makes me shake my head. Uh, you know, also makes me think. I think Jeff Carter recently had his uh, one thousand games in the NHL. Nylander finished with nine twenty. So, you know, he he was in the NHL for a good long time. To the you know, he actually started his career as a Hartford Whaler, Tom, uh, back in nineteen ninety two, nineteen ninety three. Uh, so he was around a long time, and of course he's got some got some kids in the NHL now. But uh, that's a good one. I like Nylander. It's funny we both had guys from the same season. I didn't think we'd end up with that. Walkachuk, like that is. I'm trying to think of other guys who. Like it was it was interesting for just for for me. I'm in my early 30s, so the teams, the Rangers teams, I best remember are like. Probably from 95, 96 to, like, modern day. And so I saw, you know, there's the Gretzky era. I watched Tom Pody, you know, try to become the defenseman the Rangers wanted him to become. I watched the Rangers try to find a solution, uh, you know, for (laughs) an offensive defenseman to replace Brian Leach for most of my life. And uh, there's not a lot of guys, I think, who exceeded expectations, in, in the grand scheme of things, I think, you know, you could definitely say that of Brian Boyle. Brian Boyle had that one great year, didn't he? I think the year he cracked 20 goals. Um, no one saw that shit coming, I think. so. That's another good one that I didn't think yeah, about. Brian Boyle definitely, especially because, like, when the Rangers made that trade to get Boyle, he was a guy who was, was, was Boyle drafted as a defenseman and then moved to forward? Or was he drafted as a forward and then played D early in, uh, in was it Manchester Monarchs, the AHL affiliate of the That's Kings? That's a good question. It was one of the others. So, like, when he when the Rangers acquired him, it was just like, oh, this guy, he, they don't know if he's a forward or his D. He's six foot seven. What the hell is he going to do? And, you know, he just worked his ass off under Tortorella, and he had 20 goals one year. And that was another one I definitely didn't see coming. <laughs> like, much like... Much like Nylander's success, much like Pruka's success, I don't think any Rangers fan saw that top line, that Nylander-Straka-Yager line, being as amazing as it was. Uh, you know, it was unbelievably good on the other side of the lockout. 
I'm going to say he was a forward because his junior and senior year at Boston College saw him post 52 and 53 points. That's a lot of points for a D. Yeah, he did play... I think they moved him to D in the AHL or something. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look it up after the sh- after the show. But like they did, it was one of those things where they, it was like a you came away with very little confidence. Like before Brian Boyle made his Rangers debut, and before he like carved out a role for himself. And but yeah, damn, he was he was quite good at the hockey thing. Um, he's now playing. He actually recently scored against the Rangers, so that's fun. Uh, or rather, was screening the goalie. I forget if he got the goal, but. Uh, yeah, we spent a good chunk of time on that one. Let's let's jump over to uh, another question here, Tom, uh, just to keep things moving. Um, and I wanted to get to this one from Panero in 2020 because he's also a good and loyal patron. Um, and, of course, I am struggling to find it because I'm a bad and disloyal host. Now, here we go. Hey, Mike and Tom, now that Lise has been sent down to the HL, I was wondering what you think the organization views for him are in the future. And this was... Really what we talked about primarily in the flagship, right, Tom? Uh, like, it's... I think I made the you know, the metaphor, the analogy that, like, they look at him... Like, every plan they have for Leas right now, I think, is written in, like, chalk or, or pencil. Like, they know this has not gone the way they want it to, and I think they're going to approach things with an open mind. Like, it's possible he gets traded. It's very possible he might carve his way back in the lineup... Uh, you know, in New York as a winger instead of a center, there's a lot of options here. But I think the odds on Leas Anderson having a, unless there's a, you know, a series of devastating injuries, I don't think we're going to see, like, I'll put it this way. I think we see Leas Anderson traded before we see him as the second line center on this team. And maybe even the third line center. Nice. Yeah. And I think to sort of answer that question, we we talked about it on on the mailbag, but uh, or rather the the flagship. I feel that their current plan for him is we don't have a plan. We're going, and, and by that I mean they're pretty much just they're putting it all on him, seeing how he plays and reacts to this Hartford assignment, and if it goes well, they're gonna have to make a decision. Um, hopefully, one that involves. Brett Howden if he doesn't play well um, and then obviously if Anderson doesn't play well then that just gives them more uh, you know justification to say you know what maybe uh, we think about moving on from him but at that point it would be stupid because you never really want to get rid of an asset while it's at its lowest value although I guess you could say based on how they've used him so far it's hard to imagine his value getting any lower yeah, it's just a, it's really tough. And while while we're on the Leas conversation, I'm going to try and do my best to touch on all the questions about Leas. Perfect. Um, from Andy, can sending Leas to Hartford be seen as a positive move to allow meaningful playing time, or is the end of his time with the Rangers? And I think that's kind of what I think most people think. This is something of a fork in the road for Leas, right? It's, you know, Adam wrote, you know, he it's a really uh, it, the ball's in his court now to to play his way back to the NHL roster. Um, and I personally, I think he has the right attitude. He has a very competitive streak in him, you know, tossing a silver medal in the, in the stands. Like this kid's gonna. There's nothing Moxie. that would, there's nothing that would make this kid happier than proving everyone wrong. And uh, I think he has the skill set to do it. Frankly, it's just a question of 
will the confidence be there? Will he react to this the way that, as you mentioned on the flagship, Tom, will this be another Filipedal where he's, he's sent down to Hartford and he's like, all right, I took some notes, I heard what you said, and now I'm going to start destroying the world. And like last I checked, I think Hedl is still technically fourth on the Wolfpack in points, which tells you just how unbelievable he was. Uh, oh, another yeah. ridiculous thing is that in 17 games, Tom... Wolfpack have one regulation loss. Tom. That's pretty good. Pretty good. Igor. Um, yeah, goddamn. Igor and Adam Huska right now. I mean, Adam Huska, goddamn, doesn't get talked about Husk enough. Husk man. Yeah, just uh, leaving opposing offenses as a husk of them former selves. Um, here's from uh, Philip Gostin. Enough with the excuses for Leas. The guy was the seventh overall pick and he hasn't done anything. I've never witnessed so many people, including you, making so many excuses for him. The kid is a bust, so why can't you realize that? Otherwise, you guys are awesome. You know what, Philip? Philippe? You're still awesome. Uh, even though I might not agree with, you know, what you're trying to say. I, here's the thing with Leas. It's important to remember, he didn't make himself the seventh overall pick. If he is not living up to the expectation you might have of what a seventh overall pick is, that is more on the Rangers' development and scouting department than it is on Leah Anderson. I don't think he has done anything... Like, this isn't a kid that I... You know, he doesn't have, like, off-the-ice issues that have distracted him from reaching his potential. From everything we see and hear, he's trying and he's working on his game. Like, I don't think that's making excuses for him. And I think it, it's, it's... I know it's been said a lot, but... Tom, if I put you on a line... With Brendan Smith and Michael Haley, and you're, you know, a very good hockey player, you're not going to look as good as you are, right? Like, no. that's that's not too much of a stretch. No, I mean, you can just, you know, 10 goals in 10 games, like, you got to just work hard, and if you really <laughs> want it, you get it done. You think you think you have 10 goals in your stick, though? I, I think I got a lot more in my stick. Well, how you like that? Um, from <laughs> Ari Kelman... Uh, what is going on with Rikov? Haven't heard anything about his injury or his prognosis. Thanks. Ari, that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, great question. We'd love to know the answer to. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people, especially in uh, you know the Rangers blogger world, uh, Rangers writers, I'm not sure why that hasn't been a question that has been asked by some of the beats. Um, maybe it has, and it's just kind of slipped through the cracks. But I, I honestly, like I took a you know, a couple moments to scan uh, before we recorded and to see if there has been anything going on. And I really haven't seen anything. And uh, it's really a shame because there's, you and I were talking to the flagship about someone they could bring up, Tom, to shake up the defense. And oh my God, would I love to see Igor Rikov. Um, It'd be fun. You know, instead of Lieber Hayek. Ah, Tom. Uh, sticking to the defense, Alex Khalifa. Can D'Angelo keep up this offensive pace? That is a great question. Tom, can can Tony D'Angelo keep up this current pace? I'm guessing he's he's re- referring specifically to scoring, I would imagine. Um, I mean... This I've... is a 50-point pace, Tom. This is what they define in the industry as a 50-point pace. I mean, well, he has 15 points... In fucking 18 games, but he has nine points in 18 games at five on five. So we're looking at a guy who can have more than 50 points in a season? 
I would say I could see D'Angelo keeping up the point pace. Um, not I the goal th- pace. No, not the goal pace. I mean, in the sense of a lot of the goals are him going hard to the net, especially on the power play where he's Gotta just, go hard to the net. He's slipping in in the back door. Um, Slip in the back door. Go hard to the net, get in the back door. But I, I could see him be, you know, 50 points. 50 I points. I could see it. Right in the back door. Um, here's the thing. A lot of it's going to be dependent on what his power play situation is going to look like. And uh, right now, he's averaging 223 on the power play. But of course, we know that at the start of the season, he wasn't really a big factor on the power play. If he holds on to that position, then I think it's... It's very likely he can crack, you know, 50 points. But I I don't think... I shouldn't say it's very likely. It would be crazy for Tony D'Angelo to do that this year. Like, I found myself saying that and I had to catch myself. Like, scoring 40 points as a defenseman is a big goddamn deal. If Tony D'Angelo puts up 40 points this season, the Rangers would have to... Whatever plans they might have had for him are going to be impacted one way or another. And the thing is, you know, if he keeps this pace, he's obviously going to crack 50 points. There's not a lot of defensemen who do that, let alone do that in their career. And But keep in mind, I talked about this a lot in the offseason and heading into camp, like when we were talking about D'Angelo's uh, his holdout. Like, he was 30 points in 61 games last season, so he was on pace to be a 40-point defenseman. And... You know, he's a guy who's now entering his prime officially. You know, he's 24. He has 15 points in 18 games. Like like you and I both agree, Tom, the goals, he's going to slow down. He has a goal every three games right now, I think. That's not going to sustain itself. Uh, I think he's shooting like 13% or something at uh, just at 5-on-5 five five alone, I think. No Ryan Strom. Yeah, not, not, not quite Ryan Strom. But uh, again, it's it's been really fun. I do think he'll crack 40 points this season. 50 I, is within striking distance, but it all depends very much on this defense, what happens with the pairs, what happens with the power play, and frankly, I don't know what to, t- what to tell you about the pairs and the, and the, and the lines on this team. Uh, they change a lot, and oftentimes things that seem to be working are changed. That's kind of been a, an ongoing theme. <laughs> Uh, that things that seem to be working, we don't get to see enough of them, and uh, then we get a, a lot of Lieber Hayek and Jacob Truba. But yeah, uh, it, there's a lot to it. I would say is a you know another way to look at it, right? It's there's a lot of potential for Tony D'Angelo to have a tremendous season, right, Tom? I agree, and it's it's something that you enjoy it while it it happens. You keep your options open. How much like, do you pay this guy if he hits fucking fifty points, though? Oh, like that's God. the th- that's the thing because. Oh God! He- here's the here's the thing though. Ah! Ah! It's, but here, but we got some positives, Mike. Let, let me positives. let me walk you back. Adam Fox is on an ELC for two yep, more years, and that means this. not a lot of money. That's what ELC stands for, folks. Yeah, cheap. Oh wait, is so wait a minute. It might be I wanna I might have misspoke, so let me go to cat friendly because Son of a bitch, Tom, you got me all. Here's the thing. He's still he's on an ELC this year. Oh yeah, yeah. he's on a three year ELC. Yeah, because this so, is his first contract, Tom. Huh? Yeah. 
Well, I thought he was a little bit older because he had been drafted and then he... Um, it's okay. Don't play with my heart like that, though. I won't play with your heart, but the fact of the matter is you enjoy it while it lasts. You keep your options open because they will hold his rights and he's not someone I could see getting offer sheeted. And you keep him around as long as you can and who knows? I mean, like we've seen before with uh, Brendan Smith... Maybe Tony D'Angelo is going to be a uh, a winger. But Tom, the Rangers yes. are going to have to have $6 million in dead cap space because of Kevin Chattenkirk buyout. If Tony D'Angelo want money, what do we do? We buy out Mark Stahl. <laughs> <laughs> We're not paying for the buyouts. Maybe just buy- yeah, I love how that's become the solution. Like I'm sure the same conversation was had, but... But Jeff, we want Panarin and we have got to sign Jacob Truba. Fuck it. Buy out Kevin Shattenkirk. James Dolan's got more money than he knows to do with. Like, do you, you really think... He just he, hired the, the guy from the Vegas Golden Knights to put on firework shows. So He's going to put on a magic show that's going to make Mark Stahl's money disappear. Oh, my lord, dude. That is, it's so... The thing is, it would be an amazing... Like, frankly, if, if Tony D'Angelo finishes with let's say, 38 points this season. Mm-hmm. On this team, it would still be a success for him. The fact of the matter is that would now be really low-balling what he's going to finish with just based on what he's done so far. Right. And that includes factoring in him cooling off. Like, I found myself saying it's entirely possible for him to hit 50 points, and I backtrack because, like, in my head I'm like, Mike, that's crazy. That is a crazy thing to say. Like, It'd I think be a good about problem how many- to have. Yeah, but think about how many defensemen even do that, dude. It's and like it's it's early, but it is the first quarter of the season. Like it's you know, it's not like an insignificant amount of time has passed. We're now for the Rangers, what is it, 19 games, 18 games in and but last season, just to give folks an idea, 13 defensemen had 50 points and uh, Jacob Truba was one of them actually. He oh, had you 50. looked it up. That's exactly what I was doing right now. Yeah. And so that's a class of 13 players and you know obviously you know if you do points per game you'll end up with a bunch more for example Carlson had 45 points in 53 games because he's unbelievable but uh yeah I mean it's it could be it could be possible that D'Angelo has 50 points um but expecting him to keep up this pace I think is asking a lot I think Expecting him to finish with 40 points is would be a tremendous victory for him as an individual, as a player. Um, and it would also be great for the Rangers because, like, listen, if they can get D'Angelo on a reasonable contract, and he is the player that he looks like right now, Tom, they could have their right side figured out for, you know, two years, and then they have to figure out what they resign Adam Fox for. And that looks like that will be a slam dunk resigning already so yeah i mean in, not in having the, to worry about the right side for the half of a decade potentially would be a tremendous part of this rebuild solved but the question now is what does d'angelo do what's the off the ice shit like and of course the real thing is if he has a 45 50 point season as a defenseman again not likely i want to emphasize that I said entirely possible. I'm now saying not likely. 
if that happens, I think all everything goes out the window. Like, maybe you trade Tony D'Angelo because he's having an unbelievable year at the deadline, and you get a fucking first round pick and a prospect out of it. Who knows? Because right? we're also we're not also we the name we haven't talked about is Nils Lundqvist, who. Joey not... Keane has also been unbelievable in the NHL. Yeah, so yeah, there's options outside the NHL that the Rangers don't want to, um, you know, box themselves in, or landlock or whatever, like pull pull all, all these spots up. Um, but that's where the Rangers can make the decision because obviously, if you have a sense of what Adam Fox is going to be, that makes the decision easier because. You have Truba who signed for the foreseeable future. You have uh, Fox as someone who maybe he provides what D'Angelo does offensively with you know better, um, well-rounded defense. So you maximize on D'Angelo, but it's all all good problems to have if you're the Rangers. Because yeah, it would be like the bottom line is it would be a good problem to have because frankly it it proves that the Rangers have a very valuable asset. Um, and having that level of depth at the right side, it would be unbelievable. And it certainly looked like the Rangers might actually have that. And like we've, Joe and I talked a lot about the fact that, you know, Tony D'Angelo, say what you will about him off the ice, on the ice, he's a very valuable player in terms of what he can do. Like he's a guy who can carry the puck up the ice, get out of his zone with possession. And he's starting to prove to be a guy who, I think you made this point on the flagship time where you just talked about how he can attack the net. And, like, he's been amazing this season. Like, say we will about everything else, but Tony D'Angelo has been amazing. And uh, it's been nice to watch him have this level of success. Um, let's, go, let's go on to the next one, Tom. Here we go. It is, what do David Quinn et al. see in Brett Howden? He's young, but how does he get the leash no one else does? Blackmail. You know what? This is from W, by the way, um, who I'm pretty sure is our hero, uh, who has changed his name to. I can't believe I changed my name for this show. Uh, <laughs> this is a question that I I think about a lot, especially when I watch the team lately. You know, with, with Capo Caco, you know, being a scratch because you know he's he's out with the flu. He's been a game time decision, and I. Like, whenever I'm frustrated with the team, I always just try and watch the young guys. Because I'm like, you know what? It's going to get better. These are the guys who are going to make it better. And then I watch Artemi Panarin and things feel a little bit better. But Howden is a guy who I think has a lot of extra weight attached to him, potentially, because of the trade he was involved in. Um, You know, Lever Hayek maybe has been underwhelming, although he's been given the opportunity to succeed in, in a kind of... In a way that is is actually potentially detrimental, in my opinion, to ha- just send him out there to get roasted um, is not great. But he's definitely been given ice time and in you know a top pair, you know, opportunity with Truba. Um, but of course, we think a lot about what the Rangers gave up in some of these, you know, these trades to add these picks and assets. Um, and the the one that I think. You know, we spent so much time talking about Leah Sanderson on the flagship and uh, here on Off the Post, Tom. But, you know, the the trade that sent McDonough and, and J.T. Miller to Tampa 
and what the Rangers chose to do with Vlad Nemestikov and where yeah. Brett Howden is and everything. Like, that trade, I think, has not aged well at all. Um, it was still the right trade to make, I think, because, you know, you had an opportunity to... to to add a lot of young assets. I'm still surprised that JT Miller was a part of it, but apparently that's, you know, that was the cost of doing business. Um, he was playing very, very well for Vancouver, my yeah. head. Yeah, and uh, looking now at Howden, I'm, I'm not really sure what they see, W. I think, you know, I think Brett Howden might get, you know, I, I don't like to think in these terms, but I think he's he looks like a good center in terms of the... You know, he fits the bill in terms of his, you know, his physical traits, the way he, you know, presents, you know, he has good size. He's you know, chiseled. Yeah, he's chiseled. He's a good, he's a good, uh, you know, North American born and bred hockey player and all that. And I think all those things definitely don't hurt his cause. I'll put it that way, right? Um, you know, it's, I think that might be a small part of it, but the other part of it is I, I just don't know. I'd have to be in the room. I'd have to be on the ice of practice and try and understand what they see that we don't see. I do think overall his numbers were hurt last year and have been hurt by what else is going on in, in, you know, you know, outside the Rangers top line really, but he's definitely been given more opportunity than someone like Leah Sanderson. And of course that, you know, that horse has been beaten to oblivion, but, uh, it is, it is one of those things. You know, you think about why why Howden wasn't sent down the AHL, maybe. Um, it's something that you wrote about, Tom. And, uh, yeah, we find ourselves with this question. And, you know, I hope... I don't know. He, like, once we got the news on the Mika injury, the real hope was maybe we get to see more of Brett Howden. Hey, maybe we get to see more of Leah Sanderson. I don't think we got to see either thing turn into a positive result, really. Yeah, it's been unfortunate. And it's it's an interesting thing because one thing that I sort of just thought about is we've seen it um a lot on, you know, Instagram or Twitter that um, you know, Leah Sanderson and, and Mika Zibanejad have a pretty close, you know, friendship. Um and I wonder the impact of Zibanejad not really being around has has had on a young player like like Anderson. Um That's a good point, especially the Swedish connection and you know, he's a guy, you know, I'm sure he's not far from the team, but, you know, if he's not traveling and everything, like on the road trips, it's, uh, you know, it's also the question, we didn't really get to this in the flagship, Tom, but, like, it's a long time for, like, an unclarified, specified neck injury. I yeah, really hope that it's not something exactly. more serious, but it has reached the point now where it's, is this 10 games now, right, buddy? It's going to be, because he's not going to play against Washington. Yeah, geez, Louise. Um... From Murray Farts, why do the Rangers keep doing this to us, Tom? I don't know. I just think uh, <laughs> it's. I don't. I don't really know. I was gonna. I was gonna think of something funny to say, um, but it's. But it hurts too much. Uh, yeah. Why do they keep doing this to us? Uh, it's going to be a long year. There are going to be things to look forward to. It's going to be fun watching the kids. If you need something to be positive about, just hold on tight. It's a sweet little Filipino. To sweet Adam Fox. Fill the thrill. To Capo Caco. Hold on to those things and Artemi Panarin being Artemi Panarin. We're going to get through it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay. Gray Market, at what point are we forced to choose, based on the insane decisions we've seen this year, JD's first, between these two options? Option one, the organization is lost and David Quinn must be fired. Option two, the organization lied 
and is tanking for another chance at a lottery pick. I, uh, I understand the, the folks who have officially grabbed pitchforks calling for mm. David Quinn's, uh, Quinn's head. I see them. I know they're out there. I'm not grabbing a pitchfork yet. I think David Quinn has made a lot of frustrating and hard-to-defend choices. I think some of those choices have inhibited the growth of and development of young players. Um, I, I no longer am going to lean on the anecdotal cases of like, oh, look, he motivated Filipino in the right way. And he's motivated Pavel Buchnevich in the right way. And he also did a good job of making Michael Haley play a minute and nine seconds after Michael Haley took a really stupid slashing penalty. Like, uh, it's hard to support Quinn's decisions. Like, I was I was cautiously optimistic about him, but I didn't love his appointment. And now, you know, needless to say, I'm troubled by a lot of the things he's chosen to do and the, the, some of the options he's he's taken. And... I don't think the organization is lying to us and is purposely tanking for another chance of the lottery pick. I think the defense is really just this bad. Uh, and the chances of them landing with the lottery pick look better each day, but it's still, I think, an outside chance. Like, the Rangers are... Like, unfortunately, Tom, the goaltenders are really good on this team. <laughs> they're too damn good. And they're going to... Oh my god, what was it, buddy? How many games was it where the Rangers stole a point that they shouldn't have had? All of them. Yeah, and <laughs> like it was just like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You don't even know? There's no way this team will purposely tank. Oh yeah, exactly. They're they're professionals, there's a lot of pride. You have someone like obviously, you know, Gorgiev who is playing for his um you know, his NHL future as Yeah, he's playing left. to be a, a a full-time workhorse starter in this league and frankly the odds of him becoming that look good it just it's not going to happen in new york but it's they look really good at least i don't think it'll happen in new york tom best favorite live band performance from the other eric carlson who's also a patron his was the dropkick murphys this is tough for me because i've had a couple of interesting ones um well, what's the best one? And what do you define as interesting? So, like, so for example, so I saw, um, not last year, but the year before, I saw Tower Slift with my friend at MetLife, and the, it poured the entire show. So it just sort of, you know... You have this entire stadium that's sort of, you know, just having a good time, even though it's pouring. It's just um, something that it, I'll always remember it just because, like, generally speaking, like, you know, it's raining. Like, it's something that you find annoying. But after a while, you just sort of forgot it was raining and you just were focused on what was going on. Um, I saw John Mayer twice this summer and both were really good shows. John Mayer's Beast. Um, I saw the show I saw him at Madison Square Garden. I think it was like eleven or twelve rows from the stage. It was pretty cool. Oh shit! Um, so yeah, it's hard for me to pick because like I've also seen Coldplay twice at MetLife, and they, those are two shows that were um a year apart. And you know, I I really liked um, I don't I I know they are asking for one, but it's hard for me to pick because every so often like. 
Um, I'll go back and like my Snapchat memories and I'll look at back at the clips I've taken and I'll just sort of like close my eyes and I can just sort of try and put myself in. All right. What was I thinking during this time? What was going on in my life? Um, and just try and, you know, like it, one of the f- interesting things I think about, and it's funny, I was watching back to the future part three last night. It was, uh, I caught like the final half an hour and I say to myself, if you could go in a time machine, everyone's like, oh, if I had a time machine, you know, I'd go back in time and kill baby Hitler. If, oh, if I had a time machine, I would go back in time and, like, place these bets. Like, if I could go back in time, I think I would want to see, like, my favorite artists just as they were starting out and just sort of, like, appreciating, like, what things were like at that time when they were playing these sort of small shows and, you know, oh, man, like, this band it's gonna be really big one day and uh you're not gonna be playing in places like this and if i could just, go back in time i'd kill a lot of people well that's just got just, dark and just choke them to death next question uh okay uh, <laughs> oh you know what i didn't answer uh m- my social anxiety has made it so that uh a live concert is a harrowing thing for me i've been to exactly two concerts in my life uh, the band Teenage Fan Club and the band The Movie Life. They're very different bands, very different sorts of music. Teenage Fan Club will be special to me because I went with uh, two of my brothers and a buddy. Um, and that was the first concert I ever went to. I grew up on that music. It's really special to me. And The Movie Life I went to last year. And they're more of a kind of a, a punk band and mm-hmm. a high energy band. They're the music I listen to. Like, when I'm getting ready to play hockey with my friends, it's the sort of music I listen to. It makes me feel like I can run through a wall. It was the first time I was in a mosh pit experience. Didn't like it at all. I thought it was I thought it was excessive. And, yeah, uh, mosh pits are uh, interesting. And I spent most of the night trying to make sure my friends who were smaller than me did not get a random elbow in, in you know, the throat. So, yeah, uh, I would say both were special in their own way. It's a good question, though, Eric. I'm sorry that I mentioned I would kill multiple people. Um, let's see. So I've heard about, this is from Joey D. I've heard people complain about Lindy Ruff for the defense, but I've also heard that he doesn't run the defense. Greg Baum does. Who's at fault for a lackluster defense? Well, Joey, it's a fair question to have. And the reason being that both Lindy Ruff and Greg Brown share responsibilities for the defense. The penalty kill, however, falls under Lindy Ruff's purview. Whereas the power play, David Oliver and Greg Brown collaborate. Why do I know these things, Tom? As a good supporter of the site Behind the Benches, you should know. Because I'm taking it from Shana and my site Behind the Benches. Where we take the time to uh, assess and establish which coaches in the league hold which roles and what they're responsible for. Uh, Support for the Rangers, Patreon, by the way. They do amazing work and it's... Uh... It's very tireless and thankless work, um, and it's a really a great asset to the hockey community to have a database where you can look up all this information. So behind the benches, go to their Twitter um, and support their Patreon. Your sweetheart. Uh, but yeah, so it's understanding why you'd be a little confused, Joey. Um, I'm like, confused. Yeah, it's. I think more often than not, the, the axe falls on Lindy Ruff because I feel like the fact that he's also in charge of the penalty kill, and the penalty kill is is that much of a mess, but frankly, the only people who really understand what's going on there are in the front office and behind the bench in terms of who is directly responsible. But of course, it's also important 
Tom to note and point out that you know it's Lindy Ruff was here before David Quinn and and you know the defense was shitty before David Quinn got here um, so he's the stink of the defense I think is is has lingered longer on him right but is it Lindy Ruff like I might be confusing this with when uh, AV is around but is is Ruff just an assistant or is he does he also have the title of associate coach yeah so because Lindy Ruff's a senior guy um, he is listed as an assistant but okay. I think he does have some level of seniority as in like he is the the first sergeant to to Quinn but to be gotcha. clear I last he does not have the title of associate as far okay. as I'm aware and we do make that distinction on our site we because it is especially you know for example uh, you know for the AHL and uh, the Hartford Wolfpack there are teams that have like associate head coaches um, or they have like you know the Wolfpack kind of have like almost like a mini all-star team in terms of uh, the coaching staff there, right? Where they have a lot of guys who are established and even though they're pretty progressive thinkers and all that stuff, which is which is great and part of the reason why things are going so well in Hartford. Um, but, you know, it's there's a big difference between associate and assistant, but as far as I'm aware, I think it just... Lindy Ruff is the assistant, but he's just kind of the... He's the old, he's the old man of, of the sea. He's just been around a long time, and I think he was viewed as old an asset. Old Ironsides. Yeah, he's been viewed as an asset because David Quinn is a youngish head coach, and, uh, you know, he had very limited NHL experience. He had an experience as an assistant in Colorado, and uh, and now uh, we find ourselves where we are now, where I think Dave, where Lindy Ruff gets the the majority of, uh, of the flack, and I, you know, I don't think it's completely undeserved, to be frank. Uh, our last question, Tom. You ready? Oh, yeah. Hey, Mike and Tom. Do they trade D'Angelo this year at the deadline or after the season? Do they bridge him, or do they see him as a long-term fit? With players like Keane and Lundqvist having strong showings, how does a third RD spot shake out? So we had touched on this already, because we went on a Tony D'Angelo rampage a little bit ago. But I guess uh, I'm going to take this opportunity to rephrase. This is from NYR Marine. His question, Tom, which is, is Tony D'Angelo on this team in three years? I don't think he's on this team in three years. If I mean, it's just hard because I, it's... Because you have Fox, who he's definitely going to be here throughout his ELC, and some years after that, you have Truba signed long term. Um, yeah, forever. Yeah, I mean the only way that, and like I, I was sort of joking about this, um, but you could see D'Angelo here long term, like if they decided, hmm, we're going to make this guy a forward. But then again, where would you put him? And you're not going to spend money to convert him into a forward because, you know, no NHL team in their right mind would have, like, you know, someone making over $4 million and playing on the fourth line. Like, that'll never happen, like, right? Yeah. That wouldn't happen. No, never. Why would a thing like that happen, Tom? Why? Uh, That's, uh, like... It'll be really, really, really fun to see what 
course of action the Rangers take if D'Angelo continues to do this because like I mentioned they'll have six million in dead space and you know Tom you know just buy out Mark Stahl and really maybe that's what they do it'll be fun it's not our money yeah and then you know frankly the season after like you know it's what is it two seasons from now like every other contract's off the books anyway Chris Kreider might be gone who knows? Maybe instead of signing Kreider, you sign D'Angelo. But then, you know, you do have guys like Joey Keane and, and Lundqvist who might be ready and, you know, they could be ready in two years, Tom. And then you have Seattle expansion draft. and Oh, my God. Yeah, a lot of variables. Tom, I can't keep up with it. There should be a podcast about it. Moving too fast. Do you think we should... Is there already a, a Seattle Expansion Team podcast? Because what if we just swoop in and make our own? I would think there might be ever since, you know... What if we get in a time machine and kill those people? I don't know if I would do that. I mean, it seems kind of... Tom, mean. could we get in trouble legally for saying that on a podcast? Uh, I don't know. I I'm mean, not even naming specific people. I just no, said... No, this, this is all, you know... You know uh, in the words of, uh, you know, Professor Slughorn, it's a purely academic. Professor Horace Slughorn. There we go. I just got us out of a, a little bit of a jam. Tom, you struck me as a Hufflepuff. I don't know. I've never did one of those, like, quizzes of what... I just did it for you. You're a Hufflepuff. You know why I know that? Because I'm a Hufflepuff. Hmm. And I guess Hufflepuffs know other Hufflepuffs. It's what we do. We don't have any other powers. So we're not very good. <laughs> we just we just know we know our own kind. Apparently, Hufflepuffs are just not afraid of hard work, and they're loyal. Like that's what Hufflepuffs are. They're loyal. That sounds like me. They're diligent. They they care about people. They're good at like healing medicine and like plants. You know. Whereas Gryffindor, are like, oh, what are they good at? Winning. <laughs> Really, so what I'm saying to you folks is this year's Rangers are Hufflepuffs. <laughs> They're trying really hard. and uh, They're like, doing their best. And everyone was really excited about Crab stuff, and he's our Cedric Diggory, and then he, he ends up dead. Um, you know, because Voldemort, a.k.a. <sighs> the Rangers sent him all far away. So... Oh, God, Tom. It's going to be a fun year, though. I'm excited. It is going to be... Uh... I tell myself that a lot. But here's the thing. I don't want our show to just be a negative Nancy show. I want to be positive Polly. Positive Pat. We will be positive. We will... Positive con- Pete. Continue to celebrate the little things. Capo Caco scoring nice goals. And, uh... He has the flu now, though, so that's terrible. Well, I hope he plays on Wednesday what I did? Washington. I dragged you right back down. You know, it's like I'm trying to bring us up. You're bringing us down. It's like a, you know, a, a slide. Danny O'Regan has 13 points in 17 games. How's Not that bad. for a silver lining, Tom? Not bad. How's that for a slice of fried gold? <laughs> but I See, think now I'm you're not... having to deal with with the punch-drunk Mike that Joe had to deal with. And normally he would just call me a son of a bitch and the show would end, but you're too nice to do it. Um... Yeah, it, the Rangers don't play again until Wednesday, and that'll be the Capitals, and that will probably be, might be a bloodbath. But you know, it's, it's been, I don't know, Tom. I, I look at the team and I try to find 
the, the good thing for us is, as storytellers and writers and analysts and, and bloggy basement people is this team gives you so much to write about that we don't know what to write about. The problem is I think some people get like sick of reading the same things. But, you know, until things change, folks, you know, we're going to play the hits sometimes. You know what I mean? Just play, play the hits. Keep it all positive. Keep it all nice and smooth. And with that, yeah, keep it nice and smooth. And we'll say, uh, yeah. before we go, Tom, did you have a favorite Lunchable? Pizza. Yeah. There's only one answer to this question that I accept, and the answer is pizza. And the pizza wasn't even that great, but you know what? Pizza is pizza. Yeah, it's still even shitty cracker pizza is pizza. Now I have to bother Nick Mercadante and ask him about Lunchables Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was? They also did like a cracker sandwich thing that was garbage. But at they least did it was that. like they did like nachos. They did like yeah. tacos. The tacos were vile. Yeah, they were like whatever the you know. There's grade A meat. Whatever meat is well below A, I would imagine Mystery it follows meat. the alphabet. Yeah, it was horse meat or something. Um. Yeah, that was that was fun. All right, but yeah, uh, that'll be it. I think we're gonna wrap this one up, move on to the next one, and uh, see you. Or you know, we'll fill up your ears in like six weeks. I mean, six days, not six weeks. Oh boy, me. six weeks. <laughs> that would be a big break. I was just thinking about what was it? The uh, Joanne is out for eight weeks. There's been a lot of injuries in the league early. A lot of significant ones. I'm still trying to wrap my head around Corey Schneider hitting waivers for purpose of ahl i should say but it's a big one for the devils and the devils thought they fixed everything in the offseason tom yeah nope. funny how that works out tell us how that works out devils i like how everyone is all ready and ramped up for like the next chapter of this rangers devils rivalry and both teams have started the season by taking a step into a giant pile of dog shit <laughs> yeah pretty much and tripping you know just it's and a, they're off. And it's, Sideshow both, Bob on stepping on the rake. Yeah, they're just both up to their own knees whomp, and shit. Whomp, whomp. Yeah. Anyway, uh, with that, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Take care, Or in everyone. six weeks, whatever. Who the hell knows? <laughs> Good night. <laughs>